welcome back once again to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm here today with Nick. Hiya. And with Paul. Hello. And amazingly, today is exactly one year on from our first ever episode. How do we feel about that? It's um, Nothing's really happened, has it, since no, last it, year? It hasn't. <laughs> it's been a quiet one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely doesn't feel like a year since we last, or since we first did this. Yeah, it's bizarre. And like I remember when we sat down for some of those early planning meetings, we were we had so much planned and then within a few months, everything that we had ready was kind of just thrown out the window and we had to rethink it all and well, like like everyone have to just think on your feet and plan something else. Um, are we at a stage now where we've done more remotely than we have in person? Quite a few more remotely, I think. Yeah. yeah which is weird because it's um yeah, this this feels like the normal way to record now. It's certainly not as fun. Strangely, no. even though nothing's happened in the last sort of ten months, it feels like a really long time since we were sat around the table together doing these. Yeah. yeah, yeah. the The main thing I I noticed the difference in is well, one the dynamic when we're recording these because it's so much easier when you're in person to pick up on when someone's going to speak or just read the body language in the room. Um, but two, actually, just the editing time. It's so much more when you're trying to get files from like Nick's computer and Paul's computer and my computer and try and get the one from my mic and from Zoom and get it all clipped in together. just takes twice as long, which is kind of rubbish. So I am looking forward to us being back in person. Absolutely, yeah. A bit of sense of normality, hopefully some point soon. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing but to do with, you know, seeing your friends, just... Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's just we want to make Ed's life easy. It's nothing to do with <laughs> hanging purely, out. purely a professional thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can get too attached. <laughs> That's what I've learned this year, that actually um, friends are, are not that necessary. Um, <laughs> That's not at all what I've learned that year. I've learned this year. Um, yeah. So today, as it is the first episode of 2021, we are talking about resolutions new year new me so uh we've got an icebreaker uh question which is what new year's resolutions have we made and i really hope that we've made some resolutions otherwise this is going to be a very quick icebreaker question well i haven't made any new year's resolutions Good. however oh. my role as we all know is to google <coughs> so google. i did some definitions of google just so we know where we stand okay um and then I also did a Google image search, which in hindsight wasn't the best thing for a podcast, but I'm going to roll with it and try and describe what I can look at. Um, but the definitions to start with, I've got three um, for resolution. A firm decision to do or not to do something. The quality of being determined or resolute. Or the action of solving a problem or contentious matter. Um, which I think I didn't really, when we said about resolutions, I didn't think about the third one, about resolving contentious matters but um, we'll see if that comes into play later. Um, the image that I found um, was what type of resolutions are um, British people making for 2021? Um, so I don't think you've seen this, so I'm going to open it up to you two if you want to try and guess some of the top ones. Oh, lose weight's got to be one, aren't they? Lose weight, lose weight is number two. Um, read more. Save oh. more money. Save more money is number four. Mm. Is there another one to do with like health or fitness or something like that? Do more is exercise that, is number yeah. one. Okay. So that's one, two, and four. What's going to be three? It's along the same lines, to be fair. Fair enough. Eat healthily. Yeah. Uh, well, you've been absolutely trounced there, Ed. I have, yeah. It's just shown how out of touch I am. Yeah, <laughs> 10 months away from people and you've just forgotten what humanity is. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, number 22, uh, sorry, 22% of people in this quiz said that they were would spend more time with family. That was going to be my next one. Yeah, I'm sure it was, mate. <laughs> um, then there's some to do with career, um, decorating, hobbies, um, cut down on bad habits sort of towards the bottom but still making making up the top list um so they're the sort of things that people are talking about this year for resolutions okay that's interesting it, interestingly right at the very bottom raise raise some money for charity was just just made it in there i see i suppose that's yeah they're all kind of fairly standard or stock aren't they yeah. I, when i've thought about it my mine's a little bit more 
um, left field, I suppose. My resolution for, not for this, well, just for the future, uh, is to be wrong more. Um, I just, I feel like we've arrived at a state, particularly as a country, where there's this very, like, tribal, everything's this or it's that. And then if it's not, if we don't agree with something, it's, you know, the, the other person is the problem. Um, and I think there's like a very little self-examination anymore, or at least like examination of, of facts and things. And then beyond that, you get a doubling down where when something's proved to be wrong, there's a lot of doubling down and say, well, I've I've said that it's got I've said it's got to be right now, so I've got to double down. Even though I know it's wrong, I've still got to say I still believe it's right. So I think for me, trying to be open to being uh, wrong to being challenged to being having my mind changed um and we've all been to parties and you know uh, and had conversations with people that are like insufferable know-it-alls like and it's it's really it's like the worst kind of conversation isn't it so trying not to be that guy yeah. trying to challenge the facts of and the biases that i hold um yeah. it's going to be a lot of what makes up how I try to live this next year and the future, I guess. Mm. That's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, particularly when, it, and I'm trying to do it just to catch myself as to when I when I have a strong opinion or when I feel like I want to criticise something. Is why why do I want to criticise this? And am I being a hypocrite by doing it? Um, and that was that's the really important thing for me is just trying not to be hypocritical. Mm. Um, and not saying yeah, but or that I'm the exception, but trying to work on, yeah, just being um, a little bit. I guess it's a, some kind of sense of humility or um, opening up my mind to be to different ideas. I guess I suppose it's an evolution of what I spent a lot of last year thinking about. But it's it's, I think it's important to at least try this and yeah, to see where, what I come up with. Yeah, yeah, I I can definitely see that being a really useful thing to do and I guess over the past couple of years I felt like I've grown a lot and learned a lot of new things but I'm not sure how often those new things have come as a direct opposition to what I felt already if that makes sense so yeah. I, I do I do think it's a lot harder to to change a belief than just to acquire one that in the void of another um, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've come to think has been in in topics that either I I hadn't thought about very very much um, or yeah I don't know really what I'm saying here but yeah does think, that make any sense <laughs> yeah I think it would be cool. rather than yeah changing something I guess it's difficult when just adding something or yeah. extending something yeah and I guess to to have that level of introspection where you you hear some facts and then you directly challenge what you something you have thought about and come to to believe in in the face of new facts or events and yeah that's that is a hard process to go through it's very difficult i think there's something inherently human about wanting to be right as well isn't there about wanting to be proven to be right uh it's particularly difficult when um talking about things like faith and and being able to say do you know what? i don't really know i'm not really sure um but, but particularly when we're talking with people who perhaps aren't, don't have any exposure to church or, or Christian teaching, that's a difficult thing to get across of, you know, I've, yeah. I've been doing this 30 odd years, but I'm, I'm still not really sure if I'm honest. I still don't really know all the answers. But also, I guess for, for me, I, I find it quite easy to say I don't know on stuff because that's that's easier than putting across what I actually think and being proved wrong. Um, yeah. so it, it's almost like a, a safety mechanism in some senses to say I don't know and then just hear their opinion before actually being vulnerable and sharing what, what I think so I guess maybe I, I've got the problem of wishing I had a bit more confidence to to stay what I think and then be willing to be wrong on that on top of that but yeah yeah That's... me and Ed were talking about um a podcast earlier we're gonna plug someone else's podcast but um <laughs> the Nomad podcast. I think we've mentioned it a few times, to be fair, on, on this podcast. I'm a bit of a fan. Um, but I was listening to the, the Thomas Ord podcast that they did. Um, talk, he was talking about why bad things happen, which is a pretty big topic to to jump in on. 
Mm. Uh, but he's got quite an interesting theory on it. But a lot of what he was saying was, this is my theory. There are some things that I've not quite figured out yet. And this is a guy that's written a book on it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was really refreshing to hear that um, he is a leading sort of philosopher in the area, area, uh, in the theology and a lot of a lot of the sort of the thoughts about it. But he was very happy to be to put his hands up and say, "Yeah, I'm not sure. There's, it's, there's still things that I'm figuring in out that. in in the area that I'm an expert in, and that's really refreshing to. And it challenged me when I heard that more more so than a lot of what he was saying, which was also quite out there. Definitely. I think it's, the more you learn, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my resolutions this year, uh, they're kind of the same as I make every year and then don't really follow through <laughs> with. I'm terrible at resolutions. Like last year, um, because like well, I, I did music at uni and like I love, I love playing music and writing music and that sort of stuff. And in my head, I was like, I'm just going to do that a lot. I'm going to try and write and record an album's worth of music this year. Uh, that was my last last year's one. And that kind of happened, in it, but not, not intentionally, but it, it was just doing online church stuff. I ended up recording well over an album's worth amount of music, but it wasn't my own. It was covers of other people's songs. Uh, but that was really good. So I, I enjoyed doing that this year. So I just thought, actually, I'm not going to put a a smart target on it or anything. I'm just going to say, I just want to do that stuff that I love more. I'm going to spend more of my time because I, I find I spend so much of my time doing stuff that is just all right, but but that's the easiest choice. Whereas actually I know if I went and sat down at a piano or did some music stuff, I would enjoy it a lot more, but it requires something of me to actually get off the sofa and make that decision. So um, yeah, it's not as deep as wanting to be wrong, but um or accepting being wrong, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's just something that I think I'd like to do a bit more of this year. Just stuff that I love doing. It's easy to get stuff gets in the way, doesn't it, of doing? And like you say, some some of that stuff can be completely innocuous. Like it's just yeah. like I say, it's easy to sit on the sofa and it's to go upstairs and practice, or sit at the piano, or try and think about lyrics for a song or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I can hear you on that. I'd love to do yeah, the same. To be honest, I'd love to do more. Um, music and and more exercise as well, which is linking into the cliche. It's not all, yeah. I don't all just think about deep stuff. It's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like to uh, like to just get out on the bike a lot more. But yeah. it's easier to sit on my ass and not do anything. Can I say that? Absolutely. Me and Ed, have, yeah, you, you said it now. Me and Ed have been planning to record an album for about seven years, and that's resulted that's in messing about with a piano occasionally every like yeah. couple of months. We've got a good track list, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. The track well list planned. is brilliant. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, well planned is a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Yeah. FIFA just gets in the way, doesn't it? That's... FIFA gets in the way. And I'm still not any better at FIFA, but I could have been a lot better at music. So, <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what, while we're talking about resolutions, it's probably a good idea to kind of expand it a bit beyond just the New Year's resolutions things and talk about promises or covenants that we've we've made in our in our wider life. And I wonder whether, like you, Paul, you said you you haven't made any New Year's resolutions um, this year, but have you made some kind of bigger promises? I guess in life that go beyond just a year long commitment to something. Yeah, well, I guess one thing we've all got in common in the three of us um, for the Salvation Army people that are listening is uh, soldiership, um, which for the people who aren't Salvation Army listeners um, is a sort of covenant that we make in the Salvation Army with, with God that we'll subs- that we kind of agree with what the Salvation Army does and kind of make a promise to, to act in that way, I guess, is the best way of describing it. Um, yeah, there, there are quite a lot of promises that we make, I think, through life that tend to go a little bit further. Um, both of you guys are married. I'm engaged. There, there's an implied promise in mine. There's an actual promise in yours. Um, there's a promise for a promise in yours. Yeah, there's a promise yeah. to marry, yeah. <laughs> a pre-promise. <laughs> a pre-promise promise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of other sort of long-term promises that we make. And I think there's a lot of implied promises as well in life. You know, when I'm driving next to someone else on the uh, on the motorway, there's kind of it's almost a promise that because I've passed my test and I've done all the lessons, it's almost like a cultural promise that I won't just veer off and stop concentrating and crash into someone. 
Yeah. It just promises like um, paying mortgage or rent and things like that. That is, is a, that's a very legal promise, I guess, to, um, to keep up with payments or even just going to a shop, you know, picking something up and if you're promising to pay for it on your way out. So I guess there's, there's all kinds of um, like assumed promises that we have as well as, yeah, perhaps more formal ones and legal ones. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, like you say that so much of our society and the way we interact with each other is kind of formed on these kind of low level promises and also some higher level ones. I guess that's just as humans, we need to know, like we need to have an understanding of what each other is going to do to some some degree so these we, we, sort of yeah. promises they help with that don't they? we need to put things in boxes as a, yeah as a human like a societal thing. promise as well aren't you that you're going to keep the law for example yeah, like yeah. that's just assumed that you're not going to run around killing people and the fact yeah. that we have to have that in writing says quite a lot about the the character of humanity <laughs> yeah it? it's not great is it we just need to be sure on this yeah yeah i guess we, we don't actually promise to keep the law though do we that's kind well, of like a, an enforced. You will do this, or the, there is the consequence of this. Yeah, so. I guess. I suppose. I suppose by being part of a society, it is an assumed that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the law. I guess. I suppose it is enforced, yeah. but yeah. Um, I think there's still some kind of underwritten that I'm gonna mm. do my best to do this for the sake of the society or for the yeah. group. I guess we have the option of exiling ourselves and then behaving however we want in or in going to prison yeah or going to prison yeah <laughs> it's the other option there's always another option i suppose <laughs> yeah if you really want to yeah. <laughs> so let's get on to the first proper question of this podcast and that is with me actually so um the question is why has the tradition of New Year's resolutions, which is really a little bit silly and a little bit illogical, um, become so widely followed and inspired so many to make a change that otherwise otherwise they might not have made? So, yeah, why do you think it's become so wildly popular for people to make these big life decisions at this time of year? Yeah, I think I think like we like like I said earlier, people want to get um, things in boxes. They want to say, right, this is this is the end of last year. So what's yeah. what's going to be new about this year? And I think maybe just marking that as a sort of an end and a beginning point. Um, mm. So we can say that, that that what happened last year doesn't count anymore. What happens this year, we're going to have a fresh start. This is a new box. We're going to fill this new box with 2021 stuff. Mm. Um, so I'm going to think of something to put in it straight away and start sort of start the year off. It's like a, it's, a, it's a completely arbitrary boundary, isn't it? It's just the new year. It, it, it's like... Um... Like recently in the news, we've passed a hundred thousand death mark, and it's it's not really much difference to ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, but it's just a a marker that we we like to just yeah to recognise, I suppose, mm-hmm. and the, the new year I guess presents an opportunity to to change some things or to to improve. I suppose it's it's driven by self improvement often. Mm. Like you look at the, the those top ones that you read out earlier, Paul. It's all about very personal self improvement bits, and then further down the list, you you get some of the other ones like charity and spending time with family. But the the major ones are always very inward looking. So mm. I, I I suppose it offers an opportunity for us to look at a few things that maybe we don't like and presents an opportunity to. Or at least a marker to say, well, from this date, I can have a go at doing this and seeing how far I get. Yeah, I think I've got a bit of a pessimistic view about it. I think for me, it's just a a helpful excuse for people not to do it today. (laughs) Because if you've got this big thing that you want to do in your life, you're not going to start it on December 25th or 26th. You're going to think, all right, I'm just going to give myself a a a little bit more time of not bothering with that and then come new year i'll give it a try and then you give it a try from new year usually for a couple of weeks and then give up but i yeah i think for me if someone really wants to do something and actually they've they've seen that they could make a big change in their life for the better i think if they're serious about it they're probably going to do it whether it's new year happens to be new year's eve or new year's day or not it i I, i'm i don't know I'm, i'm i'm not sure why I'm not sure if it's anything more than just kind of a trivial 
a, a little fun thing that people try and do at New Year's. Yeah, um, I think in most cases you're right. I think a lot of people say, "Oh well, I'm, you know, I've put, put on some weight, but uh, I'm not going to stop eating over Christmas because that's when we eat all the food. So I'm going to start getting fit next year." So well, actually, if you if you if you want to sort of improve, start before all the eating. But actually, people just you know, it's, it's a way of putting it off until you know you need to do something about it. Hmm. Whether that I, works or not in January, I guess. Yeah. I guess it excuses the behavior before it as well. I guess like people often, and I'm I am all for eating whatever you want over Christmas. That I'm not dissing that at all. But I guess I find it a little bit funny when kind of people talk about oh they really want to lose weight in like the start of December, uh, but they're like okay we'll start in January uh, because I well I guess it's, there's logic there as as well isn't that you want to enjoy Christmas and then start start in the new year, but. I don't know. It feels like a procrastination technique to me. New Year's resolutions. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's probably giving giving yourself the best chance. Particularly look at like. Let's use that as an example. The, the eating thing. There's there's very little point in saying, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it." I'm just you know stood on the scales and you know I could probably do a shift in a, a bit of weight. There's very little point in saying, "Right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just you know eat really really healthily over." over a time where you know you're going to be really really tempted to eat unhealthy food mm-hmm. whereas when it comes to january you've got a lot more control over well particularly this year where you can't really see anyone or do anything there's a lot there's a lot more control yeah. the, the opportunity presents itself better then than it would do yeah. so i guess it's just a, a timing thing i can see, I can see that here. with the with the weight loss one certainly but i guess personally if i look at the music stuff for me is there any reason that over Christmas I couldn't sit down and do some music stuff and in January that I'll be it'll be easier for me to do that? Probably not. I've probably got as much free time at, at home. Well, certainly this year or last year. Uh, I've had more as much free time over Christmas to sit and do music as I had in January. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do you th- I think sometimes something that I was kind of thinking about with this question Um sometimes people realize that there's something wrong but they don't know what the problem is so maybe they're not quite comfortable with themselves or you know there's something missing from they can feel something's missing from their life um and in january sort of as we approach january we start to think about why why that might be what what can we do to to improve self or improve our situation so maybe we we go for the standard i think like you said nick when we were talking about the the options um the top four were all really sort of route one tactics for uh, for resolutions. Maybe we're just trying to, people are just trying to fill that that void with something and they just go for the most obvious answer. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think, yeah, perhaps you're right. It's deep that when you, when you come to it. Yeah, it does this, is that, is a New Year's resolution really an opportunity to to not do the heavy lifting of, of introspectively looking at you know what's what am I not happy with and just using a, a quicker fix well I suppose we're, we're kind of looking at specific examples here as well like with like the obvious ones of weight loss and exercise and all Absolutely, those kind of things yeah. um potentially yeah I, um, it's that's that is a really really deep question when uh, it, it looks kind of surface level actually when you open it up um but yeah, for some people, that that that'll be a helpful starting point for for the rest of it. And particularly, it's interesting that there's nothing. I haven't seen a full list, so maybe I'm wrong. But I'd be surprised if there was anything to do with pretending to looking after mental health in that. Um, it seems to be all all physical, whereas that is arguably equally as important to to make space for that. And it seems like that's missing off the the resolutions list. Mm. Which is interesting. So that got yeah, that that opened that up, Paul. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, I th- you're right. I mean, there are things that obviously have proven to help mental health, like exercise and eating right and cutting down on drinking and things like that. But um, there's nothing on the list of at least the top, however many, ten or twelve, that sort of discusses a sort of an inward emotional sort of side of of life and what you can do to improve that. Because I think people, I, I think there's there's an element of that in it. I think people say, Oh, what are you going to do in January? And then people start to think, Oh, well actually I could make a positive change. I'm not feeling great in 
some aspect, but I don't really know what to do. So I'm just going to do the first thing that happened, that first thing that comes into my head. And generally that's the first thing that everyone else is talking about, which is probably going to be getting fitter or eating better or something along those lines. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I've just, I've just, just come to mind now. So I, I apologize. This is kind of off the cuff. Um, I've had it doing this. Sorry. But do you guys ever do anything for Lent? Do you ever give anything up there? Because we were kind of looking at a very similar, uh, again, it's a it's yeah. a landmark point where people generally promise not to do something. I'd be really interested to see the success rate of what people up for Lent and whether they achieve it compared with what people give up for or do or don't do as a New Year's resolution and whether they achieve that. For me, that extra religious element drives on Lent a little bit more it gives it a little bit more purpose, I guess. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I was just again, it's off the cuff, but that's a really interesting parallel, isn't it? It's like Lent is the Christianese version of New Year's resolutions. It's easy because it's shorter as well. It's not a whole year, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably really bad that for three Christians who've grown up in the church, we've planned the whole podcast on uh, New Year's resolutions and not thought that Lent was <laughs> connected until halfway through. Especially when we're just approaching Lent as well. Yeah. Actually, you're not too far <laughs> off. <laughs> um, I, I have done a couple, of, I've, I've done giving up fizzy drinks for Lent. Um, I don't really do New Year's resolutions. So I guess in that respect, you're right. There is sort of a, from a Christian point of view, maybe that is more of a, or a very similar comparison at least with a bit of an extra weight behind it, I guess. Um but also I failed when I was doing that because I just forgot when we were out at a meal and started drinking. I just got a Coke because that's what, that's what you Default. do when you're out. Yeah. Um, so I just completely forgot on that one and, and failed. But I think it was a Sunday and apparently that's a, that's fine. Depending on yeah. who you ask in Lent, which confused me a little bit. But so It's shorter and it's got excuses and thrown yeah. out. And I still yes. didn't really do it right. <laughs> Don't be the loophole guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't done a giving up something Lent for years. I, I, I've i done quite often, like, I'm going to try and do this reading plan through Lent or that sort of thing where you, you get a book and you want to, okay, I'm going to read a chapter every day or whatever it is for Lent and that sort of thing. Or I've tried to take up, do it, like, improve my prayer life during Lent or that sort of thing. But I, when I was younger, I remember doing, like, giving up chocolate or giving up, Usually things I didn't like, um, and then <laughs> making an excuse to make that all right. But um, yeah, I, I I remember people talking about actually what is the reason you're giving stuff up for Lent? Is it like because really it should be giving up something to make room for God, um, to make room to devote to getting to improving your relationship with with Jesus? And um, I certainly wasn't doing that. So I kind of instead of going the route of what could I give up to uh, improve my relationship with Jesus, I went the route of oh let's just not bother. Let's um, do something else. But um, yeah, what about you, Nick? Yeah, I've done. I've done a couple of bits. Probably more. Uh, have to be. I don't have to be careful. What I say. Hmm. I, I've quite a few um, Muslim friends, and they're obviously Ramadan's like a really sacred time and and, and fasting. So um, when I was at school, I used to hang out with a few, a few lads who played cricket who were uh, Muslims, and they said. They knew I was a Christian. I knew they were Muslims. We were very respectful to each other, and um, we used to have a little bit of banter about it as well, which was which was really nice. And they said they threw a challenge out, saying, "Well, why don't you do Ramadan with us? You know, why don't you?" I was like, "All right, then, I will." And honestly, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's horrible. Like it's so so difficult to not to not eat, and uh, it it became. I kind of dug into it because. I felt a little bit like I was defending Christianity, <laughs> so so I kind of I kind of dug into it and um, and I did it, but it was it was really hard. But that that level of spiritual discipline, I really learned a lot through that of of really going without when you know when you're desperately hungry. And it wasn't it was an easier one as well because it was towards the end of the year, so the, the days were shorter. Um, whereas some of the summer ones, you know, we, it's, it's coming on to like nine, ten o'clock before before the sun goes down. Um, did you find it beneficial to your faith, or did you find that you use time differently? Or um, yes and no. I, f- I found it. Uh, I, I've had a newfound respect for people who who fast things, um, particularly when it um, when they, that is is driving a, a particular praying for a particular thing or. Um, and I learned that that fasting and and prayer 
that discipline is really can be really really useful um but on the same time you know i, I won't be lying if i said 90 percent of it i just hated it was just it was horrible and i was just doing it kind of just as a bit of one-upmanship with that <laughs> so um i'd love to pretend and say you know i had a really spiritual experience of it but i i, I did learn some things but ever for the most part it was really really difficult I, I don't i wouldn't be in a rush to repeat it on saying that i think i would repeat it if in the right circumstances if i felt like i was gonna um grow more learn learn more i think what if i just said i dare you <laughs> i would definitely not <laughs> maybe the double dare that might do it yeah double dare it. and cash incentives perhaps okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think we're moving on to a very different podcast now yeah <laughs> pay nick to do silly stuff <laughs> yeah. it's a podcast i'm not against but it's definitely different to what we set out to do here yeah yeah let us know in the listener group if you want to listen to that podcast and maybe we'll make <laughs> i'm very expensive i'll just throw that into there <laughs> It was interesting what you said Ed, about um, just like just not not bothering, like just not wanting to do it. Um, I think that yeah. links into um, the question you had, Paul, about making promises versus not making promises. Yeah. So my question, uh, question number two, should we make promises to God? Um, I read a couple of articles while we were talking about this uh, podcast and in the planning process for this. Um, and there was quite a few, actually, that were talking about um, why we shouldn't promise things to God. Um, and there's a little bit from Ephesians that was quoted in one of them that basically says, um, it says it's Ephesians 2 verse 7, that I'm gonna, no, verse 8 that I'm going to read from. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Um, and it's interpreting that as um, the you shouldn't make a promise because you can't live up to God's power um, and everything that you do is through God's power anyway. So a promise is pointless to God. Uh, so I just wondered what you thought about should we make promises to God and about that sort of stream of thought as well. I think it's um, a nonsense. <laughs> okay, next <laughs> question. Tell us what you really think, Nick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I don't. I don't think it's particularly helpful to say, well, you're infinitely better than me, so I'm just not. I just won't bother. It, it it kind of breeds empathy, doesn't it? Um, I'm not going to make any promises to try anything because I know that if I if you promise something, you do it. Whereas if I promise, it's almost like an acceptance of failure, isn't it? Like I'm going to promise this and I'm, I can't deliver on it, so I won't bother. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the guy who wrote that article was probably in a bad place when he wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making assumptions there, but yeah, I, I'm I agree with you, Nick. I think it it feels like. It, I guess it doesn't feel representative of who I think God is as well. And I think if if God was really bothered by us, you know, genuinely making promises and then falling short and wasn't willing or what wasn't well, that made him really angry or whatever. I'm not sure what what the, the article is trying to say that the, the downside of that happening will be. But for me, that like God is a God of grace, isn't he? And any like us. I, I, yeah, us saying to him, I, I choose, I want to live this way, and I want to promise to you that I will, I will do that, even if he knows that actually we're going to fall short. Surely that still means something. Us committing ourselves to trying to do something, surely that's still something we should be aiming for and hoping to achieve. I guess when you put frame it in the in the, well, I guess there's just two ways to frame it. Firstly, the in the backdrop of if you look at it as, as far as sin goes, it's almost like you could apply the same thing as like, well, I just won't bother trying to live a decent life or, to, you know, to, um, to put God first or however it depends how you, um, how you view the word sin, which is, was another podcast mm. and probably would be another one again, if we did it again recently, but mm. it's, it's almost saying if you were to apply that, it would be saying, well, I'm not going to bother trying because I, I know that I, I have human tendencies and I will, I will sin at some point, so let's just not bother and just write the whole thing off. Um, I think that's daft. Uh, pretty, yeah, it seems a little bit baseless. Um, uh, the other way to frame it was was if you put it on the backdrop of we've all made promises within uh, our church um, 
to live a certain way or or to to do or not do certain things so it kind of makes a bit of a mockery of of that as well so i don't think it's it's a surprise that we don't agree with it because if we did we'd kind of run ourselves around the circles what I really do like about what this guy says in this article is, I, in the conclusion, I've just copied it into our chat here and I'm going to read it out so we're not misquoting him, but I really like this. He says, so we should not make promises to God because Christianity is not about making promises. It's about relying on the promises of God which are fulfilled in Christ. And what I like about that is it kind of takes the emphasis off, off I guess, what we're doing and put, puts it more onto what God has done for us. And I, I really like that, actually, that the gospel, the good news is that God loves us and that that Jesus has saved us. And I, I guess often we, we make the good news that contingent on 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 what we do or promises we make. Um, and for me, I, I think there's good news for the world, regardless of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Heresy. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think you're right. Um and I like that shift. I think because because of the way uh, and this goes back right back to the beginning we were talking about um uh, how I arrive at certain conclusions just being brought up in um church or being uh, having certain materials delivered kind of shapes an understanding that you, you you accept when you're younger but then start to I'm starting to challenge now and I think that's that's really key to it is is life's not really about what we're doing for god it's what god's done for us and it's us joining in in what he's doing now mm. rather than i must do this i must be better i must um i must i must it's it's god has already and god will continue and why don't you why don't you just get on board with that um i suppose that goes back to yeah what we were saying a little bit earlier on but i don't know what you think paul yeah. um yeah i i I concur. I don't need to say all that much more. <laughs> there is another little bit in um, in that same article um, that uh, relates back to Ecclesiastes, James and Matthew saying we should just let our yes be yes and our no be no. Anything else comes from the evil one because any promise made that depends on something other than God is an aversion to the grace of God. Um, I think that's quite strongly put. Um, but I, I think there's a little bit of sort of a useful insight and like you say, relying on the promises of God. Um, but I think, I think maybe this is this, the, the article and the, a few of the other ones I've read to be fair, have gone a little bit far in terms of we shouldn't make any promises. Cause I think that kind of, like you say, it leads, it leads people to not try. Um, not but only it's, that, but it's, I think it's about can... depending on God's strength in the promises that we make. I think it could be really helpful to make promises as well. I know, particular when i look at my soldiership covenant i know with the type of personality that i have that i would probably get into quite a lot of trouble with without abstaining from drinking drugs and gambling i, I, I genuinely knowing my personality i think i'd probably struggle with one or all of those elements so for me it's been a really helpful tool to shape how i live um, just practically more than anything else aside from it's a promise to god but that kind of adds a gravity that help makes me want to do it more um so yeah i think the rather than them being pointless i think the opposite i think they can actually be really really helpful and that's I all guess, yeah i guess it it all depends on how you frame the promise and how it's presented because I, I know at times growing up the the soldiership covenant for me was presented as the gold standard of discipleship yeah and i think that's a false equivalency that at times the salvation army has been guilty of i don't think it always is and i certainly don't think it's anywhere near as bad as it as it used to be in that um in so in my experience i can only speak from my experience on that but um i think yeah sometimes we make promises and and put the all of the agency on ourselves for for um for the good news and that's certainly not i don't think that's what god intended and i think that sure we have a responsibility if we want to get to know jesus better we're gonna have to do something about it if we want to grow in our faith and grow in our spiritual maturity we've got to do something about it but actually these are things that god is inviting us into in a inviting us into that life in all of its fullness i don't think it's something that 
perhaps we need to be cajoled into making some sort of promise or covenant prior to that happening, if that makes sense. I, I, I guess it's making promises to can can lead to that, certainly, but I'm jumbled up now. Got myself all twisted around. <laughs> it can be used as a stick to beat you with, I guess, can't it? Particularly when you look at um, soldiership, like, like you say, that you know, you're seen as perhaps being inferior because oh, they they can't make these promises that I've made. But really, when you look at the in, intention behind it or why why those promises have been made, that's the important thing. And, and like you say, it's about joining. It, for me, making a decision about um, soldiership was was around what was right for me. Mm. Um, and it was a time where I, it was probably. So at least four, well, four, maybe three years later than a lot of my peers in going into soldiership. Um, and it was, it's it's an invitation to join in with a lot of things that, that go on in the church that I love doing as well. So it was, it was difficult to try and not be swayed by that. But, but, mm. but for me, it was about how, how do I want to live my life and how do I see me best contributing to the the kingdom or to joining in and and i think that's kind of that was started off as a really pure notion there's somehow got lost along the way and i've suddenly rediscovered it recently so Mm. um i think that's yeah i think so i think it's it's kind of a double-edged sword isn't it i can i can see why you would say don't make any extra biblical promises because it's already been it's already been done i guess that if, if i'm trying to be uh objective and look at what it might might be trying to say i didn't read the, the article fully i must admit i just kind of skimmed it um then i can i can understand that where it becomes unhelpful but i also think that they, if you look at like a monastic promises if you, uh, how monks live they make you know promises or covenants to do or not do certain things or vows to do or not do certain things because they feel it benefits them spiritually so I don't. I wouldn't say no. Don't do it. But on the same same score, I wouldn't say yes. You must do it either. I think it's very much each to their own. Once again, it's it's a new year, but we are very much living in the grey area in between. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I've got question three um, for today's episode, and, and my question was: um, Does God punish us if we break our promises to Him? I guess promises, read promises, covenants, resolutions, vows, and all-encompassing promises. I don't think so. Why? Um, I think generally if we break a a promise that we've made that God wants us to make, um, if we get it wrong, we're probably doing damage to ourselves in getting it wrong Hmm. rather than God beating us with a stick. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think well, in in the sin episode, we talked about this, whether God, does God punish us for our sins? And for me, I, I much prefer the, the phrase, we're punished by our sins or punished by where we fall short rather than for it. And I think that I don't believe God is the one punishing us but like like you said paul actually there are there are just consequences to actions at times so if i promise to god that i'm not going to um lay in the road anymore then and i break that promise there there could be some serious consequences to that that um but, but god's not driving the lorry yeah yeah because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i may not believe that god's gonna send a lorry but i'm not sure he's gonna magic the lorries over me either um yeah that's a silly example, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I think it, it drives the point well enough. Oh, nice. No pun intended. Yeah. Nice. What do you I think? think? Yeah, I think I'm probably all in agreement that um, sin is its own punishment, isn't it? That the consequences of what we do often to ourselves are, are their own punishments and their own have their own consequences. I don't think it needs an extra finger wagging or an extra... Um, yeah, kicking from God to say, you know, don't do this, and I'm going to punish you for it. But I, mm. to widen that out, um, oh, maybe can we widen that out to 
do you think God punishes us irrespectively of, of of our intentions I suppose right even if it's not expressly promised um do you think God promises us uh, punishes us for anything I think it probably works in the same way and that's that's how yeah. that's how I'm thinking I can't I don't think I can believe in a God that is above all love without thinking that he doesn't put us through pain and like intentionally for no reason mm. um it, it the, the two just don't quite compute for me yeah yeah and you look at kind of all of the advances in like child psychology um at the moment and like parenting and there used to be this real school of thought of parenting that if a child did something wrong you would hit them or you would cause them sort some sort of pain to punish them for it and that's how the pe- they would learn to not do that or that's how you would regulate their behavior and all of the modern stuff or the, the what we're finding out now uh through kind of science and through like various bits of research is that actually children don't learn well that way that as as humans we learn better by you know positive reinforcement we we learn better by being encouraged and by being loved and um sure there are consequences for stuff that when we go get uh, when we get it wrong like if i put my hand in fire i'm going to get burnt and i'm going to learn about what the fire does um and those are consequences but as a parent as a as a loving father i don't believe that god scolds us or um punishes us in in the way that i guess like the fire and brimstone vengeful god of uh i guess some sermons that we've all heard <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you use that analogy, Ed, because that's exactly the same one that I thought of when I was right. thinking about this, about if you stick your hand in the fire and get burnt, what's the point in then getting smacked around the back of the head for it as well? Because you've yeah. already got your hand hurt. <laughs> you know, you've learned that lesson, I think, very quickly. I think that anything else is probably cruel mm. um, because it's, yeah, and I suppose that's an extreme ex- example because it involves physical pain, but it, it's easily... Uh, relates to, to emotional pain and, and um yeah other elements of when when you make a mistake or whether you do something contrary to to what god wants you learn from it i think in its own way rather than rather mm. than yeah yeah and i think that's a, that's an interesting concept because it kind of sets up this idea that uh, god's law or, god, the, or the way that god tells us to live in the bible um isn't just a set of arbitrary rules it isn't just a set of things that he's decided are good and he's decided are bad they actually all of those things have direct consequences on our lives and then that i guess becomes a bit of a metric for how we evaluate what is good and what is bad by its effect and by what it actually lives out in the world and for me that's a really healthy thing because you know i've heard some sermons in the past where they've just said well if it's in the bible and they say and it says it's bad in there then it's bad and i i just think that doesn't have the level of thinking that requires to go into those sort of decisions because you know there is some stuff in the bible like don't eat shellfish or don't eat this or that or there are laws like that and you can do all sorts of kind of biblical jumping around to get it to work but there has to be a point where we say actually when you test that out in the real world test that out in everyday life what are the consequences of doing those actions of living that way and I think we can quite quickly see what is destructive and what is good. And for me, that's kind of the heart of what God wants for us. It's for 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 our, our benefit, is for us to be brought into life in all its fullness. And I don't think that's as shrouded in mystery as perhaps sometimes we think sin or think these sort of things are. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Particularly when you look at some of the old testament laws i think the one you were referring to there Ed, about shellfish being a, an abomination i think it is yeah it's described as... i mean i agree but that's because yeah, i genuinely don't like shellfish at all i think it's they're disgusting but i'm not sure that's kind of an absolute moral for the for the universe <laughs> i'm the opposite because i really love shellfish so. uh, we found <laughs> something to disagree on yeah maybe i'm a sinner <laughs> <laughs> you did ask if you could be wrong more nick yeah, that's true yeah that's true I'll, I'll um i'll have a look at into that and i'll let you know i get on repent i think <laughs> um yeah i think that that some of it uh, it evolves doesn't it theology evolves um 
I think it moves on. And I think we arrive at uh, conclusions that are sensible and are in line with what, what God wants for us. Um, and I, I suppose, yeah, kind of wrapping that up, when you put that into, frame that into the context of promises and covenants and vows and all the rest of it, it can be a really helpful and healthy thing to, to bring us close to God. And it shouldn't really be used as a stick by, by God to beat us with, but also by each other to beat each other with as well. And um, by ourselves to beat ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that, that's really important as well, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's probably where, where I arrived at with my thinking and I'm glad, glad you guys are kind of on a similar page. Yeah, yeah. I think we agree far too much on this podcast. Uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up with some wild views, I think, and just start throwing them out uh, left, right, and center. Next week, uh, shellfish. Do we need it? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, we, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you don't agree with us. Maybe you think we've got the wrong end of the stick, and we would love to hear your feedback. As Nick said at the start of here, um, he's wanting to be wrong more. So if you could help him out with that, we would really appreciate that. 100%. Um, yeah, and you can do that by getting in contact with us either uh, on Facebook by dropping our page a me- message or on Twitter or um, or you can join our listener group, which if you go on Facebook and search SSOM listener group, you can ask your questions in there. And I'm going to be, be dwelling in there trying to t- chat with people and posting some stuff um, in there too. So we'd love to uh, communicate with you further in that place. And if you've got any unrelated questions as well about other topics you want us to discuss, then please jump in there and let us know as well, because we want to discuss things that you want to hear us discuss. Absolutely. So that's us for this week. We hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.